0: I've been thinking about orgies. case anybody got the wrong idea
1: how I mean... could they possibly get the wrong we only have the most high quality educated listeners
0: oh hi we're highbrow we're proper highbrow here
1: i've got two highbrows
0: two highbrows and a final <laughs> frontier <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> i was thinking specifically about the posh ones that they used to have in rome the posh orgies? The posh orgies. I mean, there's something you're going to look forward to, really. Where it wasn't necessarily what we associate the word with today, it was a dinner party, basically.
1: That's a heck of a dinner party.
0: Yeah. In Greece, they had a similar thing called a symposium.
1: You See, that word I know.
0: Yeah? Yeah. Well, it's funny because in modern English, we now use... These two words, you still use these two words, orgy and symposium. Yes. But they've gone off in completely different directions. If you say symposium now, people think of some, you know, academic conference or a business business thing or yeah. what have you. You know, like a lots of very, very ser- serious people in a room discussing things seriously. Yes. In like an auditorium kind of affair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas you think of an orgy.
1: I'm not thinking of that.
0: You don't think of that. No. No. Mm. But in actual fact, in Greek and Roman society, they were they were kind of equivalent sort of thing. They were they were basically a, and they could be quite formal. I mean, they could be a complete knees up. Let's face it.
1: That does bring a whole different viewpoint to all the academic symposia I've attended over the years. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have to watch you. I tell that to. Yeah. (laughs)
0: It could fall off the chair. I mean, they did have a degree of, of, of formal decorum and stuff. But yes, granted, as the evening went on, you might get less formal. It, it might get less formal, yeah. But, wow, that's a heck of a
1: mix. Yeah. I mean, you're going to go there to discuss treatises of philosophy, and by the end of the evening, you're doing something completely different.
0: Yeah, I mean, you 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 kind of by the by the end of the evening, you're probably at the point of, of, of like, what's it all about then? When you get right down to it, I mean you that's know? pretty deep
1: philosophically, really. What
0: what what's it what's it all mean?
1: Yeah, that's
0: like about six cups and, in, really. And and basically, whatever the Roman equivalent of, dude was. I love you, man. Yeah, that yeah.
1: that's what you're doing. You're like amazing, dude, and yeah. I really need to tell you I love you, man.
0: Difference is, in Greece. In Greek symposia, symposiums, uh, women weren't allowed.
1: Huh. Don't think I like them. No. No.
0: No. But uh, in Rome, yeah, free for all. Wow. Well, I say free for all. Free for all unless you're a servant or, yeah, you know, what have you. But otherwise, yeah, so pretty, pretty, you know. Anyway, that's what I've been thinking about.
1: Wait, which one? Actually, don't tell me. It's better if you don't.
0: Okay. Okay. What did you want to talk about today?
1: Well, we probably ought to introduce ourselves.
0: Yes, fair point. You know. And then in, and then later we'll explain why the hell we started off like this.
1: Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, lovely listeners. Hello. Hello. <sighs> Welcome to Frithcast 159. 159. I'm going to have to say these numbers faster to get them into the same rhythm. Thirteen, no, no, doesn't work. Doesn't work. Not even hundred and thirteen. <gasps> oh, Ray Stevenson, no. I know. Oh, Sad. I know.
0: Thirteen. Less the
1: boys' cotton socks. Thirteen. Thirteen. Doesn't work. One hundred and fifty-nine. One hundred and fifty-nine. Legion one five nine, the wasted. <laughs> one
0: hundred and fifty wasted. We're gonna have to think up something.
1: The limping scorpions. I don't know. <laughs> the
0: 159th ninth legion.
1: Yeah. Like I'm liking it. Like the 500 Like the 501st, first, yeah. It's different. Okay, yeah. so welcome to Frithcast 159. I am half your hosting team. My name is Suzanne Martin. I am a heathen with a mostly head full of
0: stuff. Much of it is useful. Nah. <laughs> and on the other side of the usefulness coin, you have me. Uh, my name's Kate. I am not a heathen. Um, I am, uh, the, I live here, and hence I involve myself in this, uh, operation. Um. (laughs) Sounds like we have a plan. (laughs) Yeah, it does make it sound a bit like that, doesn't it? I don't think so. Um, yeah, and I, I have a head full of very little apart from Star Wars trivia. Still good. I, you know, it's, 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 it's a gift. So, lovely listeners, um, we were uh, we were going to cover a particular subject of uh, an educational, edificacious bent, as twere, and I would like to begin. Why window shopping. <laughs> window shopping, as it were. <laughs> window shopping, it's the way he says. Window shopping, as it were. Um, anyway, we're not talking about window shopping. Um, we are talking about this. This is grain, which any fool can eat but for which the Lord intended a more divine means of consumption. Mm. Let us give praise to our maker and glory to his bounty by learning about beer. beer. <laughs> <laughs> so spake Friar Tuck. Woo-hoo! In the timeless classic movie, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Um, it's one of my favourites. I don't care that it's...
1: There is a roguish mullet in there, but apart from there that, I can a... forgive it a lot, to Bits be of it
0: have aged badly. Some bits of it were bad to start with, but by and large, not bad. It wasn't bad. I like it. It's entertaining. People take the take the the the, the thing out of Kevin Costner's uh, accent and hair. Um, but no, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. And Friar Tuck was fun. Yes. And he uh, did initially want to educate people about beer. Why are we talking about beer tonight?
1: Well, not technically beer, but I want to take a sideways step from the beer
0: into And symposiums for that matter.
1: Thank you. Sorry. Out into the corridor where it's a little bit quieter. Mhm. We can just catch our breath and look at <laughs> what are you
0: thinking of? What? I'm not thinking of anything. I can't take
1: you anywhere. I'm
0: never thinking of anything. How I'm famous. Rude. I'm famous for it. <laughs> come on. Come on organise ourselves.
1: <laughs> have <laughs> got no chance.
0: Symposiums, beer. Symposiums,
1: beer. Yes, I wanted to take a sideways step from beer mm-hmm. and look at the, the, the culture that we have in a lot of heathen communities is that we have an unspoken assumption that those heathen communities will utilise alcohol. Yeah. Either in social context, so we'll end up meeting as a kindred in a pub or a bar Mm -hmm. and being able to have a social drink together. Yeah. Or we end up using alcohol in ritual. And there is kind of this unspoken understanding that that's the norm, that's the baseline, Mm. from which everybody then says, oh, yeah, we're doing ritual, but don't worry, there's non-alcoholic as well. The exception proves the rule, which says that alcohol is the normal understanding. But we've got these little bits of extra...
0: Yeah, you have to specify, top. yeah, we're, we're catering for people who don't want or can't have the alcohol. Yeah. We're, we're, we're putting this on as an additional extra, a sort of a... Um, I don't want to say concession. It's a word yeah, like that. Like
1: variation.
0: An accommodation. To,
1: yeah. So I wanted to kind of draw, a, you know, maybe talk a little bit around that, around how heathen communities, what heathen communities' relationship with alcohol is. Mm. Because if you have... If you either attend or lead or a kindred or you go to an event, the assumption, the base assumption is that there will be alcohol somewhere around that event. Yeah. Or somewhere around that kindred. Um, there is that understanding that we will be using alcohol either socially or we will be using it if we do ritual together. We've got two big kind of ritual contexts in here. You've got a blot and a symbol. Yes, They both are ceremonies in which we share a drink, Mm. whatever that drink happens to be. We're sharing it commonly. It's an alcohol commonly. It's a big tradition. It's mead. Yeah. Not beer. But we tend to then we might make alcohol in our offerings. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We might, you know, say, hey, Freya, I've had a tough day. Do you want to just have a shot of whiskey with me? Grand. I'll pour one out for you as well. Yeah. And it becomes an intrinsic part of our practice. But what I wanted to look at was uh, our community's relationship with alcohol as that baseline standard in our in our practice, in our assumptions when we deal with other heathens. Mm-hmm. Right now here in the UK, we're gearing up to quite one of the big events. Yeah. And there are, you know, I, I watch the forums and I watch the chatter and there's a lot of chatter around. Will there be alcohol available? How much is it going to be is there going to be a bar? Does the bar take cash? Does it take cards? And there's that understanding that there is going to be a bar. Yeah. That they are going to be stocking mead. Mm. That you are going to have to get in quite quick because you're going to have a field full of very thirsty heathens <laughs> who are all going to be after a very limited number of bottles of mead. And there might, you know, be the occasion for a dance-off. Yes. As they kind yeah. of go towards the last few. You never know. But there is that baseline, those baseline questions of... If we have a heathen event, there's going to be a bar. Mm, mm. If we have a heathen event, there's going to be mead. It's going to be shared. It's going to be part of that ritual and social experience. Yeah. Yes, we do have these exceptions. And we do have... I mean, we've talked about moderation before, quite a long time ago now, about looking at things in moderation.
0: I remember somebody mentioning moderation to me once. Yeah. It's a long word. Yeah.
1: It's a good doorstop. (laughs) Sorry, go great draft excluder it's fine oh, yes. you can fit it all the way under there all those t's and d's and everything fit nicely
0: absolutely yeah
1: so we talked about moderation and taking alcohol in moderation mm. the Havamala has got some verses that are quite obscure but the ones on alcohol are flipping clear yeah you have your limit and you know your limit and you are aware of your limit and that's it do not go beyond it because then you're gonna be a Burke. Yeah. And nobody wants to be the Burke that everybody remembers from the night before.
0: No, that's the thing. And I think um, I think the, the, the it's always an interesting point, I think, that I mean I what I would what I would say is I don't want to give the impression that we're you know, we're we're not sort of coming over about we're not anti alcohol particularly. No. Um, you know, people people wanna want to use it they enjoy it makes them feel good you know it, it greases the wheels of social whatever it does that's fine yeah I have no problem with that at all I have a drink myself from time to time mm-hmm. but you know I think the what what I do find interesting is the the fact that the where we we look to sort of traditions be they mythic traditions or you know handed down social traditions or what have you um, there are often, you know, quite authoritative uh, teachings, let's say, uh, or writings, stressing the importance of restraint and moderation and understanding when you've had
1: enough. Yeah, getting to that point of, all right, I'm just going to switch for, even the Havamal says, nobody's going to criticise you if you just pass on it for a while. Yep. Get yourself to that nice, comfy place and then carry on going. Yeah. And just, you you get to pace yourself through that occasion, through that event. Mm. You don't get to have too much too quick and yeah. then make an idiot of yourself and go beyond. Yeah. So the Havamal, the verses on alcohol are very, very clear. <laughs> they do not, you know, cloud it in obscurity. They basically say, if you have too much, you're going to look like a Burke. Yeah. Don't say we didn't warn you.
0: Yeah. And it's certainly... You know, again, it's it's certainly not a you know, this is this is not us sort of looking down our, our noses in a in a, you know, puritanical way and saying you shouldn't touch, you know, the the, the the demon liquor or what have you. Far from it, it's just the point of recognizing I think, you know, it's always important to have that that sort of self awareness mm-hmm. and, and recognise that there does come a point of balance where, you know, you've had you know, you've had enough to, to have the nice effects. But you don't, they don't need go to over go any it.
1: further yeah, yeah you don't go over it so for me it's interesting that heathen communities especially modern ones have adopted alcohol in as a base understanding that it will be present at events that you might do ritual with it that you might imbibe it socially mm-hmm. that that is the base level yeah and there they go no oh, yeah you know you can give offerings of of mead or beer oh of course you can give coffee or water or juice too it's like those are the additional the 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 exceptions too yeah but the assumption for me always comes back to using alcohol Mm. and yeah there are a lot of when we were talking about this earlier there are a lot of other communities and instances that talk about that moderation with alcohol Mm. and knowing when you get to that point yeah and not taking too much, and I don't know, that sort of group social bonding that happens when you get alcohol and you get to that nice point. um, If you do drink, you get to that kind of nice fuzzy point and you're having a laugh with everybody and everything is kind of warm. You get that nice kind of warm high that comes with it. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to go further. And the Havamal is very clear. Do not go further than that. And it's not the only document that we were discussing earlier that talks about when you reach your limit you stop Mm. and you'd found one earlier on i think from greece
0: yeah um it was and this is this is essentially why um why we had the opening that we did um i was learning a little bit about um the, the the sort of social practices of these greek and roman Uh, dinner parties or or sort of social gatherings Um, in Greece. The symposium in Rome you might also have something called a convivium Um, but the symposium I I was was quite interesting they would as um, Greco-Roman society usually did they would serve wine Um, that was that was the sort of the tradition and it would uh, it would arrive in um, a large uh, what would you call it like a large urn Urn, barrel? yeah 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 it's sort of a, a a clay barrel if you like called okay. a, called a crater okay k r a t e r in latin alphabet and from this is the word where we get our word crater from oh um because it's a big bowl that holds i was going to say you get a crater full of wine
1: that is a whole lot of wine
0: <laughs> yeah
1: Woo! is that one in,
0: is it in arizona the the big one the meteor, really big one. meteor crater yeah, yeah? Oh, that a lot that of would wine. Be a lot of wine um, But there was um, a uh, you would have um, various sort of rules uh, about how people would behave. Um, and you would have the wine would be diluted. Um, it was very it was considered very common to drink wine at full strength uh, in Greece and Rome. Um, it was it was much more cultured to water it down. Oddly enough, because now obviously oh, wow. we we look at that we look at that practice and we think, well, somebody's trying to scam us. You yeah, know, we're not getting water down the wine. Yeah, but in actual fact, in 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 their society, it was considered quite a quite a, a sort of vulgar thing to drink wine full strength neat, wine for want of a better. Okay, um, so you would get you would have somebody supervise the dilu- diluting of the wine, and it would be um, dished out in in these crater, um, and there's a play, or at least a piece of a play, from 375 BC. Whoa. Um, That's a whole lot of old script going yeah. on. Um And I'm g- you're going to have to forgive my terrible Greek pronunciations, but you've got Eub- Eubulus was the the writer, and it was a a, a, a play that features uh, Dionysus, the that one I know, the Greek equivalent of Bacchus, the god of mm. wine and festivities and what have you Yeah. Uh, and Dionysus is, is describing how one should drink and he says in Greek um, for sensible men I prepare only three craters one for health which they drink first the second for love and pleasure and the third for sleep yes I can imagine yeah after the third one is drained wise men go home <laughs> Wise men, they go in the house Indeed, yes <laughs> I, I um, Only, I only in Greek, whatever it is in Greek I have no idea He goes on um, The fourth crater is not mine anymore <laughs> It belongs to bad behaviour Oh, there it is The fifth is for shouting Yes The sixth is for rudeness and insults Also yes the seventh is for fights. Hang on a minute. If you're only supposed to have three, yeah, you're
1: supposed to partake of one of the first three kind of big barrel jug things. Yeah.
0: You get into seven and you're still stood upright. Basically. Woo. Uh, the sixth is for rudeness and insults. The seventh is for fights. Yeah. The eighth is for breaking the furniture. <laughs> So they had the same problems as we do. Then the ninth is for depression. Oh, there it is. The tenth is for madness and unconsciousness. Yeah, I can imagine it. Over three times what so, you're supposed to drink. Yeah, so they they obviously recognise this this a, a similar sequence to, to to what we we often note in our society today, which is that you know if you if you initially you drink uh, you have a few drinks with your friends, it's nice. You know, you've got that sort of that warm feeling, everybody's well convivial. Yeah.
1: Um, at, at whatever level that
0: happens to be for you. Yeah. Um, but as you go on, things start getting more and more fractious. Yeah. Uh, and and then you get the, the 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 sort of maudlin, the melancholy phase, because alcohol is a depressant. Mm. And this is something that you know they've obviously noticed that people have observed for thousands of years is the fact yeah. that if you if you take enough of it at once, it will cause you to become Depressed, for mm. want of a better, more clinical word, um, and then ultimately, of course, you lose it entirely and fall over. Yes, um, which you know, yes, we, we we joke about, but you know, it, it can be that can be if you're if you're sort of regularly taking it to that extreme, it's it's not good. No. Um, so yeah, and it's just interesting that, that we have this list. <clears throat> and um, reminds me of some of the points in the Habermel. To be fair, well, this is this is this is what. Um, <laughs> Struck me was the fact that we we, we similarly have these. Uh, it's kind of like right, th-
1: three thou shalt count to. Yes. Thou shalt only count to three. Thou uh, shalt not count to two, save on the way to. Save three, on the way to three. Save. And nine pre- is right out.
0: <laughs> proceedeth unto three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. And just don't even go to nine, because that is not going to be a good night. That's right. Yeah. Um, but yes, the Havamal does give similar rules and regulations it, it does. Um, it talks
1: about the heron of forgetfulness. The heron of forgetfulness. You. Basically, the heron of forgetfulness takes away all your stuff. From that, if you drink too much, the heron of forgetfulness comes. I. And then takes away all of
0: your brain. I've read the mile. Yeah. But I completely forgotten about the heron <laughs> of forgetfulness. I'm to the today.
1: Um. So yeah, it's okay. Yeah. So it's very much kind of those same understandings of yes, have a drink, but know where your limit is. Yeah. And for me, as an inclusive heathen, what event organisers or ritual organisers are now very much more aware of is having um, a second cup or a second horn that goes round with non-alcoholic in or just running the whole thing non-alcoholic. Yeah. And if individuals want to give an alcoholic libation then they can do so at either, either at a point just after the ritual or at a point where they are on their own and just offering that individually. Mm-hmm. So there are some rituals now I know where they don't have that focus on alcohol because they maybe have people stood in circle who are not able to drink. Yeah who have previously had um, difficulties with relying on drinks so don't want to associate it with their faith, with their ritual, with their social life because they know where that leads for them and they don't want to go to that place again.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: There might be people who are on medication who are not able to mix that with alcohol. They can't
0: because, yeah, yeah.
1: They might be... That you have families and young people in that circle, and you don't want, you know, those families don't want those young people associating alcohol
0: with ritual and. Yeah, they've made that. They've made that that yeah. decision to keep the things separate. I think it, and I think it is. I mean, there is certainly something about alcohol, drinking, drinking alcohol, um, that is. I mean, it's a universal thing. It's a it's a global thing in all cultures. I would i would i would venture to guess yeah, fermentation of something because it's one of yeah because it's one of the the i mean you know i make i make we make silly reference to the fry took thing but yeah, but also bread and beer yeah but i mean you know monks back then in medieval we're, times were brew specialists were brewers yes. and distillers and, and 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 so on you know it's what they it's what they they did and a lot of their income came from that i mean one of the the most famous, um, you know, in heathen terms, we we we, um, we look to mead a lot as a, as a as a drink that we associate very strongly with heathen tradition and and uh, yeah. modern modern heathen culture. Um, but you know, one of the most famous brands of uh, mead in certainly in the UK, it comes from Lindisfarne. Yeah. You know, and it was their it was one of their main income streams at the monastery there.
1: It is monastery abbey. Yeah. Whatever it was. Monastery, I think. Okay. Abbey has an abbess.
0: Unless it has an abbot.
1: Oh, did not think of that one. Ah, there you go.
0: Mm. But monastery only has monisters. They were definitely monisters. And not monisteresses. No, true, yes. Yeah. yes. You have a nunnery. And they have nunsters? They have nun. Oh, that's a bit
1: nice. <laughs> <laughs> they're, but... they're missing out. <coughs> yeah.
0: This is a whole empty building sat there doing nothing. Indeed. But you've got, yeah, I mean, so, so alcohol becomes a, a, a thing in ritual. Um, I mean, it's I mean, a thing in the, the myth cycle. You have the mead of poetry. Yes, you do.
1: That is, you know, it's part of the story. We get mead intrinsically
0: written into. Stolen by bats. Oh, no, that was London. Sorry.
1: Yeah, no, stolen by birds.
0: Stolen by birds.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, a bird, technically.
0: A bird. A god um, dressed as a bird. Yeah, if you want to get oddly specific, hmm. yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, you do. That's 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 in there. It's and I suppose to an extent. I mean, one of the main reasons um, I just to go back to Rome again because I'm very boring. Um, no. You, well, you know, it's been known. Um, one of the um, they would drink wine because one of the primary reasons was because the water was terrible. Yeah, um, Don't and drink would, the water. It would do horrible things to you if it wasn't. Um, you know, there, there were there were options to have you know faintly alcoholic like wines, really or whatever.
1: Water, really really watered down stuff for breakfast.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a there's a great book. One of my one of my sort of favourite-ish novels, mostly because it's about Romans. Um, Household gods. Household gods. There it is. You knew I was going to say
1: did. it. I um, did liwia uh harry
0: <laughs> harry turtledove liwia i can't do it in latin but you can liwia quaiso mihi dawinum liwia Nunk liwia give me the livia give me the wine please now yes um yeah my duolingo course in <clears throat> latin involved a lot of trying to get liwia to hand over the wine she didn't seem to want to No, because it kept coming
1: up with alarming <laughs> regularity She
0: must have been drinking it all yeah. oh. But um, Harry Turtledove co-wrote a book uh, This Household Gods novel uh, Judith oh, I can't remember the name of the... oh We'll put a link in the description we will put a link Lovely in the description. lovely
1: listeners Just in case you want to check out a book on Rome
0: um, You do, you definitely do It's a good one yeah. uh, It's from the 90s and It was about a, a modern, a woman in the modern day Modern day United States cheesed off with her terrible existence in the the modern day and she wants to escape back to um, ancient society where she feels that everything would be much more fair, women Mm. would be treated properly Mm -hmm. um, there was much more sort of just natural justice going on and uh, people led led a simpler life and it was all very lovely Um, she goes back she ends up getting sent back into the body of one of her ancestors who lives in second century Uh, Carnuntum which is uh, on the Danube river so it's it's around about Vienna modern day Vienna and um, she finds herself in at the head of this small family unit two kids and a slave uh, and she runs a tavern of sorts and she's trying to land you know she realizes what's happened and she's trying to sort of just just uh,
1: like orientate herself back into.
0: Yeah, she's yeah. she's trying to hit the ground running, so to speak. Mm. Um, and she, but she she has a uh, she brings with her a a very fierce objection to alcohol. She doesn't want anybody. She doesn't want alcohol. She doesn't want anybody around drinking alcohol. She doesn't want her family drinking alcohol. So she goes. She arrives at uh, comes downstairs to breakfast at this tavern, and um, Julia the slave says, uh, "I'm I'm." I've prepared breakfast for you mistress here's your wine and for the children and she's yeah. like no we're not having wine no we're absolutely not having wine we're having water i want uh, give give everybody water and and the kids and the slave are looking at her like she's gone out yeah well yeah it's like what do you mean you want water why and of course she insists that they all have water and of course they're terribly terribly ill yeah because like, it's... no wine's good <laughs> yeah. um but yeah so I mean that was a factor you know I'm, I'm sure that a lot of societies would 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 brew and distill and ferment because it was a safer alternative to drinking water um, but for us now <clears throat> we have a society where we have choices as to what
1: we can have mm. um, our water is for the most part mostly available yeah and for the most part is safe to drink yeah clean safe drinking water is is a bonus might not taste very inspiring but no you know But a fundamental kind of life building block really indeed yeah so for me I think now what we're seeing especially in the last few years um across communities and when I see big public open rituals or big public open events being advertised even if you go and buy a ticket is that yes there's a bar but yes, they're serving non-alcoholic drinks as well. Yeah. Um, or yes, there's a bar, but you're invited to bring your own. If there are certain drinks you want to have, you are free to take your own or take your own to toast within the ritual to yeah. have your own supply with you, which effectively means that, you know, organisers are much more aware that to... Um, have the heathen communities that we have now and to be inclusive to those people who maybe can't drink alcohol, don't want to drink alcohol, Mm -hmm. don't like the taste of alcohol, have had bad experiences with alcohol, so don't want to go there again or have a medical or physical condition or medication that means they can't have it, don't want to have it. They're much more aware now of those people also wanting to come along to ritual and mm. be part of that experience and be part of included in those communities. Yeah. So maybe our relationship with alcohol as heathen communities, maybe it's changing.
0: Yeah, maybe yeah. instead
1: of pouring out a mead to Odin, we managed to just buy him a coffee instead. I <laughs> know we say, Hey, I've got your like, you know, hazelnut latte with extra foam. I hope that's cool for you, dude. There you go. Because, we have a greater range of things we we have that luxury of choice we do some of us that those options are not available to us any mm. option that's alcoholic we may have chosen for faith and religious reasons not to imbibe socially yeah but to just have a mouthful within ritual so that that mead becomes a sacred experience it becomes just associated with ritual
0: and i think it i think it all comes down to having that agency and being being able to, to, to exercise it in a community that doesn't stigmatize your choices. Yeah. And I think that if the have a mile is saying anything at all, um, it's primary guiding principle, from what I understand of it, and I'm not professing to be a great expert, but it's, its guiding principle seems to be take responsibility for yourself. Yeah. And that basically means, you know, knowing where your limits are, which is always a good, always a good thing to to, yeah, yeah. to to be able to do in all sorts of areas, not necessarily just in in terms of in terms of drinking. But, you know, know where your limits are, know what your capacities and your capabilities are, um, communicate them, you know, don't nobody's going to nobody's going to object says says the the Habermas literally says the (coughs) Habermas um nobody's going to object if you just say yeah don't yeah know where you know where you are I've had enough yeah um but I think I think that's it and we end up with a a, a society and certainly in I mean I, I don't want to venture into into too much sort of national um culture and politics but you know certainly in the UK we have a very prominent drinking culture famous (laughs) yeah we have that very famous drinking culture um for for all the um publicity it gets us yeah we are kind of renowned for it and it is built in you know to a lot of our society it's it sort of does you know a lot of our assumptions even outside of the the sphere of 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 heathenry you know in, in british society in general the assumption is very frequently, oh, there's going to be a social event or you're going out there for an evening alcohol. or what have you, you're gonna go out and drink. Yeah. And you know, there's lots of different ways that we we, we sort of approach this as a as a social question, issue. I don't want to say problem necessarily, but you know, in some respects it is. Yeah. I think
1: um, sometimes there's very much a pressure to be included in that. Yeah. And I think sometimes when that pressure is taken too far it becomes toxic yeah there is a heavy expectation that you go out and you get drunk with the lads on a friday night Mm, mm. and you go and have a 3 a.m kebab and then you rock into saturday morning's work four hours later and ready to go for a full day of 12 hour shifts and then you go out again and i'm just like yeah you know
0: i used to have i used to have a colleague who would do that and they would they would they would go out at night um, of an evening and they would do exactly that and they'd be up till 3, 4 o'clock in the morning and then they'd be into work at 7 o'clock at the start of the morning shift and I'm like, I just do not know even, even when I was young <laughs> you know, there's no way I could have done
1: that No, and I think since we had sort of two, two and a half, three years of lockdown here I think the drinking culture changed mm. because then We couldn't gather together in groups. We couldn't... As heathen communities, we had to shift a lot of our rituals and gatherings and communications. All had to go online. We lost dancing. We did lost dancing.
0: Well, so the song said, anyway. We did. We'll put a link in the description. It came back. It's okay.
1: Nature is coming back. (laughs) So I think our culture did shift when it came to linking social events with imbibing alcohol, or yep. even in in the case of heathen communities, ritual events imbibing alcohol. Mm. Because instead of being stood in a physical circle with 10, 20 other heathens, and a horn going round, you're sat in your computer room or your lounge on your laptop with a mug of coffee. Yeah. Or a maybe mug of a coffee shot, on Zoom, yeah. A mug of coffee on Zoom, and a pizza. Yeah. And that it shifts, and suddenly we can have these online gatherings and so i think here now we're looking at alcohol in new ways
0: although to be honest i do like the sound of doing ritual with a cup of coffee and a pizza
1: yeah can be done that does
0: sound nice quite nice actually
1: Yeah. yeah it's a little bit different but you know it's for me it has as much value as meeting people in person because that was all I could do for at the time yeah for like nearly three years in this country was just meet people on zoom either voice calls or posts on social media or through social media accounts and having those interactions and then having ritual online yeah because that was all we could do to keep our communities alive that's it we couldn't meet up in person we couldn't go and see somebody for a coffee we couldn't meet up with our kindreds and have a camping weekend. Mm-hmm. We couldn't go to a big pagan event and have a heathen ritual on the side somewhere in the quiet. Yeah, We couldn't do any of those things. So I think, for me, heathen communities are re- maybe reassessing their relationship with alcohol and how much of a central part it plays in, or used to play, yeah. in ritual, in social occurrences. And we're happy. it's much more acceptable now to have a range of alternatives and have that luxury of choice rather than just having right you come to ritual it's mead that's your choice yeah because otherwise then you're like well can i come and stand in the circle and pass on the mead? no that's terribly insulting well i i just can't come then mm. i miss out on that community and those connections so for me i'm kind of hopeful as to where we're going in how we reassess as communities our relationship with alcohol and what role it plays in the rituals we have, in the social gatherings that we have. Mm. And where that will go in the future.
0: Yeah. I think I think the more you know, I mean we we use the word inclusive quite often. Yeah. um, Just a wee bit. You know, these things are important to us. It's important to accommodate as 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 many people as we can, you know. Um, and I think this is a fairly a relatively straightforward way to you know, just just put that little bit of accommodation in. Um it's a, it's a relatively small thing, comparatively speaking, but it can be of enormous value to the people that it uh, it, those, it welcomes into, into
1: that circle. Yeah, to those people who may never have had chance to come to a ritual before, mm. because it's always been alcohol-based. Yeah. So yeah, there's some kind of deep thoughts, and I'm kind of hopeful to see where we go in the future, where our I think there will always be a a place for alcohol, but I think now that is getting balanced out with Mm. other choices. So maybe there is, yes, there is an alcoholic horn that goes round at sumble or at blot, but also is there non-alcoholic choices? Or if the person stood next to you is just drinking juice, then there is no stigma attached to that. and No. No sort of Division between those who drink alcohol and those who don't.
0: And I've no doubt there's, you know, there's a history of of ritual significance of uh, you know alcoholic drinks, as, as there is in many traditions. I mean, obviously we're 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 talking in in heathen slash pagan terms, um, but you know we also have the Christians, yeah, who themselves have a um, a tradition of of taking alcohol as a um, a, a ritual marker, especially the Catholics. Especially the Catholics. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, whereas you get many churches now who will provide an alternative, um, and some, you know, um, uh, uh, Pentecostal churches that I've I've been to in the past, who just don't use alcohol at all because they disapprove of it mm. or they disagree with it. So you know, their default position is not to use it. Yeah, um, I was talking to a Catholic priest the other day about their
1: communion wine and how it has to be alcoholic. Okay. Because there are certain priests who will only use alcoholic wine. They won't use... There are non-alcoholic communion wines. Mm -hmm. Catholics don't... In in this country, especially for the priest I was talking to, he was saying that Catholics will not use a non-alcoholic communion wine. It has to have an alcohol base in it. Really? And I'm like, wow. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. So for... I knew it was the tradition, you know, it always had been the the kind of the the default. Yeah,
1: I think now, which of the... I forget which of the free churches it is, but they're happy using non-alcoholic communion wine. Mm. But this is, again, this point of of division. Yeah. You know, if you are Catholic, you are going to be imbibing alcohol. And what happens if you're on medication or you have a, a pregnancy that is in later stages and you... I mean, uh, choosing to honor your faith, but also want to
0: yeah. I mean, partake. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I know that you know when you're talking about um, the 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 uh, I want to say what's the word the communion. Uh, I want to say is it Eucharist? I think so. Is that the word? Not I don't sure. know. I don't. I don't know enough about my Christianity, obviously. Um, but um, yeah I know you you're only taking a very very small amount relatively yeah. speaking you know it's literally just a, like a thimble but... thimbleful and mm. that's yeah but um, but yeah it's you know it's just I'm conscious of the fact that you know it, it is it is a part of the religious tradition itself in some uh, yeah. in, in in many paths but you know I think uh, I think any as we've said any anything that can be done to make the thing more accommodating Yeah. Um, To the people who want to practice, rather than demanding that everybody fit a specific template, which Mm. I kind of think is doing things the wrong way around, really.
1: Yeah, and I think Heathenry now has the luxury of choice. Yeah. You know, we can run traditional rituals with alcohol. We can run a traditional ritual with alcohol and say, "Hey, there's going to be a non-alcoholic juice going around as well," Mm, mm. or bring your own and use that to do your toasts when it comes to that part of the round. Yeah. When it comes to that part in the sumble you have your own supply, you fill your own cup or your own horn
0: and you choose to take that. And if it comes to it you can have water and by and large you know in at least we're in the countries that we're fortunate to be in Yeah. Um, by and large the water is not going to do you that much harm.
1: No, so no watered-down wine for you. Liwia, it's fine. <laughs>
0: You keep the wine. You think I'm going to drink full strength wine? Are you calling me vulgar? <laughs> oh, yes.
1: <laughs> Lovely listeners. We're going to leave that discussion about there, I think. But there are some...
0: Probably wise.
1: There <laughs> are some things to think about. <laughs> to Not only maybe keeping in mind the rituals that you might have attended or the, the experiences that you've heard of or talked about, with other people or online or the things you know the the instances that you've seen of heathenry's relationship to the use of alcohol so lovely listeners if you want to find us online and come and sit around the virtual virtual campfire have a drink of choice for it is your choice whichever drink is all good then you are very welcome to come and find us. My name is Suzanne Martin. You can find me on Facebook under that name, and for now, you can find me on Twitter.
0: Uh, I think you mean x.com. Oh God, I am not calling it that. <laughs> I love the fact that he's changing all the branding. They're even they've even gone through the offices and pulled down the birds, oh. the little birds off the walls in the offices. Oh, um, God. But it's still at twitter.com because he can't get x.com to work right. Good. <laughs> Ah, uh, anyway, you were saying, sorry. So you're at Twitter. For now. For now.
1: I'm in whatever Twitter is going to get called at <laughs> Githering Jeans.
0: Um, and if you want to find me, I, you've, you've, you've got your work cut out. Um, really, I think... Virtual, virtual campfire. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was just going to say, if, if you want to find uh, our Facebook page oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah that's a good just start. do a quick search on facebook for Frithcast pod uh and that will take you to our little page and from there there's a link to the group on facebook and also to our discord server which is our virtual virtual campfire uh where you can come and join us and uh, chat to uh some of our, our lovely lovely other listeners yeah
1: um
0: if you want to find me uh, i'm kate coldwind um i am really only on my kind of Sorry, excuse for a blog now, which is at squalllines.net. So that's dot snet Again,
1: we'll put a lovely link into we will. the
0: description, descriptions. Uh, and otherwise, you can contact me through Suzanne, really. It's all good. So lovely listeners, thank you very much
1: for joining us this time. We'd love to know what you think about this topic. Come and find us online. Come and have a chat. Tell us what you think. Tell us what your experiences have been. Yeah. Let us know in the... I was going to say in the comments below, but don't put the comments below the virtual (laughs) virtual campfire. We will never find them. The hedgehogs will have a heck of a time digging them out. Just come and talk to us instead. It'd be much easier. (laughs) Lovely listeners. We'll talk to you all next time for episode 160.
0: 160, yeah.
1: Yeah. All righty. See you then. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.